Welcome friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life. And we both know that that life starts inside of you. If you want to say goodbye to anxiety, frustration, and negative self-talk, and say hello to peace, mindfulness, gratitude, and living your best life, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not social conditioning, and not your past. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready. It's time to feel incredible from the inside out. Hello and welcome. Thanks for tuning in to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation today, the absolute best way that you can always support is by sharing it on social media and with the people that you love. Also, you can always support also by popping over to iTunes and leaving a review. Leaving a review ensures that the algorithm pushes the podcast to other people around the world so that they can get notified about this content. So thank you so much in advance. Also, make sure to stay till the end as I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways and a fun challenge this week to upgrade your life. All right. So culturally, so many of us have deeply internalized the belief that plastic surgery is often the choice we make because we dislike our bodies or because we don't like what we see in the mirror. And in many cases, plastic surgery is an energetic punishment towards ourselves when we don't fully and unconditionally love ourselves, or when we believe we can't experience self-love until we have the surgery or love what we see in the mirror. And so unfortunately, self-punishment never serves our highest well-being. And when we choose to get surgery from this mindset or this place of being, it often leads us to feeling guilt or shame afterwards. But what if plastic surgery was actually an act of self-love? What if you could opt for an aesthetic procedure that was actually rooted in your commitment to care for yourself? And so that's exactly what my dear friend, Mordecai Weiner, is going to talk about today. After a truly remarkable weight loss journey, Mordecai decided to undergo skin removal plastic surgery. And for him, it was actually a choice rooted in true self-love instead of self-punishment, forgiveness instead of shame, and compassion instead of guilt. Mordecai is a weight loss and health advocate who knows the struggle of feeling out of control around food. And in 2011, he hit rock bottom. And although his business was becoming a massive success, his out-of-control relationship with food did not translate into the joy and happiness that he desired in his personal life. And at that time, he weighed over 330 pounds. And despite his external world looking like he was completely fulfilled, he felt like a failure. In his desperation, he realized that yo-yo dieting was failing him, and he was determined to get healthy for himself. And this is when he started his weight loss journey and discovered his passion for empowering others. Now over 130 pounds lighter and having sold his business, he is on a mission to help others find food freedom and internal happiness. 
And so today he's back for another amazing interview where he's going to courageously share his own journey and his mindset this past year as he opted for the skin removal surgery. And if you've ever wondered how to stand strong in your self-love, no matter what the world tells you, you're going to love this conversation today. And if you're curious to learn more about his journey, make sure to go back and check out the first interview we did on the Awesome Inside Out podcast right when it first launched. All right, let's jump in now. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's um, so, I'm so I'm, thanks for having me, Sarah. Really, um, it's um, it's a it's a it's a it's a compliment to be back again. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I've missed you so much. When we were chatting yesterday, back and forth about the podcast, I had this realization that I haven't actually seen you in over a year, which is wild because I used to see you between New York, LA events, conferences. And I just had this realization that this year created so much distance from the people I love so deeply and how I've had to really mourn missing them and and missing the experiences of being together and really being back in this readjusting period as the world kind of comes back into some level of normalcy. Yeah. Big eye-opener. Yeah, totally. I totally, I'm totally with you on that. It's been... Um... It, it used to be really fun coming to your house all the time for dinner parties and events and just having a great time. And But it's nice that we've been able to stay in touch throughout mm-hmm. the year, a year and a half. And I, I think mm-hmm. that shows like, like you know, friendships that mean something. You kind of make an effort, you know? You do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting that you can have still that deep connection virtually, but um, it's it's just interesting to be in this process of witnessing that a year, year and a half has gone by. And so I'm excited that I'll get to see you soon. Hopefully I was rallying you to, to come to some conferences that are coming up. I'm like, you've got to come. Um, but for the listeners who might not um, have heard the podcast that we did a while ago or might be new to the podcast, you were one of the first guests that came on. It was over about a year ago. And during that conversation, you shared really openly about your struggle with food and weight loss and how that struggle started around the age of eight. Um, and then how finally years later you were able to drop, you know, around 150 pounds and really reach this healthy weight. And so before we dive into the topics today, which I really want to get into the shame, um, piece and the surgery piece, I would love for you to quickly just recap your journey to give listeners some background, um, before we dive into sort of these recent experiences that I'm so excited that we get to share today. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. Uh, um, wow, where do we start? Oh, well, you know, back when I was a kid, I just loved chocolate chip cookies. My mom, <laughs> my mom, my mom, she's she's a great cook and baker, and we and in our home, um, we just ate a lot of pastries because uh, my mom baked these amazing cakes and cookies. And, um, so yeah, as a young kid, I just remember eating a lot of pastries and really enjoying them and didn't really know at the time, but you know, whenever I was feeling emotions that were uncomfortable, there was a cookie close by mm. and, you know, a cookie is a metaphor, but really I started using food at a very young age to just, um, regulate my emotions. Um, regulate is not the eight year old speaking. It's the, you know, 35 year old realizing what was going on after a lot of years mm-hmm. of figuring that out. But for, for until I was 
you know, probably into my mid 20s, I used food um, as a way to comfort myself. And as, as a young kid, I would, you know, go to, Weight Watch, go to Weight Watchers when I was 10, 11 with my mom and literally try every diet from Atkins, Paleo, South Beach, all the diets. And I lost, you know, a lot of weight and I always gained it back. So it was this really big tussle with like feeling like dieting was the only way to lose weight. And that was my mindset for your, for, for, you know, a good 15 years, good 15, 20 years almost. Wow. And recently you started sharing openly about a topic that's not commonly discussed, especially amongst men, which was the decision after you lost the weight. And in the first episode, you talk a lot about how that journey was really about cultivating self-love and self-worth and self-esteem internally instead of through the external process of the weight loss. Um, but recently you made a decision to get plastic surgery for the loose skin that you had from the weight loss journey. And in your podcast recently that I listened to, you share really vulnerably about how you contemplated surgery in 2015. You were even getting consults with different doctors, but at the time you didn't really discuss surgery with the people close to you or even end up going through with it. So I would love to kind of talk about what happened between 2015 and 2020 when you finally made that decision and what that internal process looked like for you to be able to not only just courageously step into surgery, but also start courageously sharing about it. Yeah. Well, you know, a, a big thanks to you for sharing about it because I remember only a few months ago, after, not a few months ago, a few months after I had surgery, we mm -hmm. were talking. Um, I was, remember I was in Encinitas, California recovering and we were catching up and I was telling you that, you know, I had a surgery a few months ago and I was explaining to you what I was going through and you're like, well, you should share this on the podcast. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not quite ready yet. And you said, whenever you're ready, you let me know. Mm -hmm. And and I'm I like, you know what? <laughs> exactly. So like, you know, it took me a little, it took me a while. It's just been, you know, this is February, 2020 when I had the surgery. Um, so what are we, it's almost a year and a half now, a little less than a year and a half. Um, and it feels much better to share it now. And I think um, waiting that time was really important, but you know, take to answer your question, 2015, um, when I was initially thinking about cosmetic surgery, I was in a place in my life where I reached a, a, a stable place with my weight for the first time. I was able to keep it off for a few years. I stopped dieting like about four or five years prior to that and really worked on my habits and was doing the inner work. And after I lost over 100 pounds, I remember just looking in the mirror one morning and just feeling like I lose all this weight and then I have these like, you know, lots of skin hanging off my chest and my stomach and it just really, really bothered me. And, you know, I remember like, I remember a conversation with a friend probably um, seven or eight years before then. And we were talking, we were, we were discussing, our, we were discussing like losing weight. And he was like, listen, I don't, you know, weight loss isn't, you know, I'm really worried about losing weight. I'm going to lose a hundred pounds and I'm going to have extra skin. I don't want to deal with that. And I, in my mind, I was thinking, well, if I did this, if I lost the weight, I would have the surgery. So to me, it was always like in the back of my mind, I knew that I would be willing to do that. So I was really, I had this like, and the reason I shared stories because I had this thought of doing it for a long time. And, you know, when I looked at myself in the mirror in 2015, I remember just feeling really bad that I came this far and now I have all this skin and feeling really unhappy in my body. And that's when I decided that it was time to have the surgery um, and, and get the skin um, removed. So I, um, I started going, you know, seeing surgeons in um, New York City where I was living at the time. Upper West Side, Upper East Side, all these like fancy high-end surgeons. 
to go for consults. And I remember I didn't tell anybody about it. One person knew about it, but I wasn't going to tell anybody because I had such shame around it. It was like I kind of felt like I was running away from a part of me. And mm. it felt really bad. Like it felt really it felt it felt I felt a little bit icky, like a little disgusting. Like ugh, this is like, you know, but my I had this awesome story that I told myself that this fantasy, you know, I was planning on traveling um, after exiting my company in 2015 and I was bought a one-way ticket to Costa Rica. And in my mind, the story I told myself was like, yeah, now after working for 10 years and building your company, now you get time off. This is what you worked for. Like all the, you know, all the stories that my, my, the child in me was really excited to celebrate those moments. And part of my story was, and you won't have to deal with the skin. Like you'll, you'll feel, you lost the weight. Now you just got to get the skin surgery, fly off to Costa Rica. So I had a one-way ticket to Costa Rica and you'll you'll be in great shape you'll, you'll be perfect so my my vision was go have surgery literally leave to costa rica and then just nobody's going to know about it and um after interviewing a whole bunch of surgeons i felt really disgusting with myself and couldn't quite figure out why but just realized that wasn't the right time to have the surgery so i decided that i wasn't going to do it um at that time and um and went booked the one-way ticket to costa rica and only after a short while um, in Costa Rica, joined up with, um, joined a retreat um, called Passage. And it was like 40 entrepreneurs in the jungle and for three and a half weeks. And I remember feeling really um, bad because I'm like, you know, I'm in, I was in pretty good shape, but like if I took my shirt off, I remember I was going to feel really, really bad about that. And this is when I realized, this is when I started doing the work around really processing what it was like to take my shirt off because it was close to 100 degrees on a lot of the days. And I had to work through that in a, in a, in a really meaningful way. Mm. It's so interesting because from my experience of witnessing you in this process and knowing you, um, I can see how when you originally were making the decision, there was, the, there was this feeling of shame, but then also this feeling of ego. And when we go into a surgery we don't want, it's really important to not be aligned with either of those feelings, but it's supposed to, but, but ideally from a place of self-acceptance and self-love is what the surgery decision should come from. And over the time of knowing you, I can share that I've witnessed that when you made the decision to have the surgery now, it's come from those places. It's come from the self-acceptance piece and the self-love piece. And I think it's so powerful that you tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like there was like this internal knowing that there was still more work to be done before that surgery took place. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, a lot of people helped me out. There was a lot of whispers as we, you know, I call mm -hmm. them like these, like these intuitive whispers along the way, which was like, you know, take your shirt off on the retreat. And I think I shared the story in the last, in the last interview mm -hmm. about taking my shirt off. So I don't know if we, we want to get into that, but just taking my shirt off on this retreat and really accepting myself, um, for you know my my loose skin and 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 all of that and just being okay with it um was kind of it was probably it was very challenging i don't want to quantify okay. how challenging it was, it was challenging to take my shirt off every time i took my shirt off part of me died inside like it felt like it really felt like there was a like it was a little bit of ego death because of how embarrassed i felt about the loose skin and um yeah, I, I think going, th I, re I realized going through all those practices and taking my shirt off on the retreat and then, you know, continuing to do that anywhere I would travel for the next 15 months whenever I was on a hike or whenever I was with people, even, you know, strangers or whatever, wherever I found myself, when there was an opportunity, I try to take my shirt off. And 
Um, and, and even even in Venice Beach, that's when I started the shirtless therapy. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling the story at one of your um, events at, at your house a couple of years ago about the whole idea of shirtless therapy because so many guys struggle with this, this idea of a body image and not many guys talk about it. And, and uh, women are so much more comfortable talking about their body image. You know, it's, for men, it feels like there's like this, if we talk about our body, the parts that we're not uh, really accepting, it's not, we're not confident. We're not, you know, we're not mm-hmm. strong and we're not, and it's not sexy. And, 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 and that idea, I think, holds a lot of guys back from actually leaning into the discomfort of our bodies and what, and what we actually feel. Because as you know, like you teach, like, you know, the feelings need to be worked through. You can't avoid them. You avoid them. They just get bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you get surgery, they're often there afterwards. And, and most often exactly. they are because we haven't done the work internally on the stories and the belief systems in which we operate from. And that's why I have absolutely no judgment if a surgery decision is based from that place of lack of self-worth or or, ev- or even ego-based. But I do believe that there is something to be said that when you can step into that self-love and that self-acceptance and say, this decision for skin removal surgery is coming from a place of deeply, deeply loving my body, then when you come out of surgery, I believe that not only do you heal physically faster, but you no longer have that disconnect of, well, well, I thought that the surgery was going to save me from my internal experience. And then when it doesn't, you're disappointed. Um, And that's why I always recommend doing that internal work first. Um, And I'm curious for you, what it felt like to finally say, okay, I'm, I'm absolutely ready for the surgery and to courageously step in, um, into that experience and, and how, just how you made that decision, especially, I guess it was last year, right? February of last year. Yeah. I think I made it a new year, around New Year's 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah, great question. It's, um, it, I think the whispers just started, started turning into loud voices and it was like, okay, Mm. now it's time. Now it's time. Like I spent, you know, a good four years doing the inner work, um, really, you know, many, many times taking my shirt off and really doing the inner work to fully accept myself. You know, I think one of the things I've always wanted in life was, um, like just a freedom for myself, like freedom from not being inhibited, you know, being able to share uncomfortable things without feeling bad or feeling exposed or feeling, or feeling, you know, I, I, I guess you're always exposed when you're sharing something like this, but it felt, mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like just the freedom to say what I want to say. If I want to say I had surgery, I'm going to say it. And, and mm-hmm. there's a reason why I want to say it. I'm not trying to, it's not from a, a, a superficial place. It's because I think it's an important conversation um, that when I was trying to, when I was looking to have surgery, I interviewed or I went around to find people who would be open about this. And so few, so few guys were willing to talk about it. It was really, it was really hard to, to get people to open up about what they went through. And I think a lot of people have a lot of shame after the surgery. And I feel like that's such a waste. You go through all the pain and suffering and expense and emotions to have something like that and then not be able to celebrate it or enjoy Mm -hmm. it. And Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about talking it in in an an annoying way where it's like, you know, look at me, but just talking about it like you would talk about anything else. And you do a great job at this yourself when, you know, when you go through stuff with your body, you share about it. And you're, you're, you're really, you're really, um, open. And I think that benefits a lot of people who get to listen to your story and the things that you go through and courageously share. So, um, but to answer your question, that's a long winded answer, <laughs> but to answer, to answer the question, um, the, the, 
voice started getting really loud and I knew it was time and it was New Year's 2019 and a friend of mine Mark actually I, who you know um, was was you know pushing me on like what what are some of the New Year's your New Year's goals like what do you want to accomplish and I told him I want to have a surgery so he's like okay what's the date you're gonna you're gonna what's your next what's the next step you know because obviously booking surgery is a really intense process mm-hmm. so he's like what's Absolutely. the next action you can take you know like you know if you chunk it down right that's uh um, Martha Beck, um, Oprah's life coach has this idea of chunking things down to the smallest action to the next step. You know, I think it's Martha mm-hmm. Beck who has that, but I'm, um, it's, I'm sure you're familiar with the concept, but I, so I'm like, okay, so I need to talk to a few more surgeons, you know, or talk to a few people who had surgery and get more information. But I knew it was time to have surgery. And that's when I started interviewing doctors for the second time around, um, and started, you know, and then after interviewing a handful of doctors, I met a doctor, whose name is Dr. Sadrian out of um, La Jolla and San Diego. And it was just, it was on, you know, you know, you know, when you meet somebody and just, it's just on and it's just like, you have great chemistry, you know, you, you feel aligned in all the ways, you know, that he's, the doctor's got the credentials, you know, that you're in the right place. It felt very in flow in all, in all ways. I, I remember even pulling up to the office feeling like, I think I've arrived at the right, at the mm. right person, you know? Mm. I love that. Yeah. And I I think it's important to point out that when you were in that place of flow, you were acting from this place of self-love. And I think we can agree that that surgery can be an act of self-love when you're aligned and that that soft, subtle voice gets louder and louder. I think right now more than ever, specifically in the body positive space, which has done incredible things for our culture and and societally. I think it's important though, that there's often this subtle way in which people are shamed if they have a desire to have surgery or modify their body in any way. And I want this conversation and I want my platform to be um, a, a voice of empowerment that if surgery is coming to you in that little voice and it's getting louder and louder, and it really comes from a place of self-love than to trust that voice because there is a reason behind it. And I believe, and I'm curious for you, what kind of lessons came from having the surgery and, and how you're feeling now in the experience that you're kind of on the other side of it? Yeah, great question. So so many, so and great point. So many lessons, you know. The first thing is just to double down on what you said. It's like, where does it come from for anything, right? You know, I think for me, when I think about what my come from was in 2015, when I was going to do surgery, it was for other people. I thought Mm -hmm. that if I had Mm -hmm. surgery and had the skin removed, then I would get a different result in life. Like people would love me more, accept me more, you know, I would get more of what I wanted. And I think that was a come from then in 2019, when I decided to do it, it the come from was, no, this is for me. You know, I feel like I want this for me because I think this is what I need to be doing for myself. It was less about everybody else. It wasn't about how I was, you know, posting shirtless photos. It was about or running around on the beach and without my shirt on. Although those things, you know, running around on the beach, especially without my shirt, and it feels like a different different experience today than it did um, prior. But I, I got to say that the, the, it was more. It was I would say close to close to a hundred percent as a hundred percent can be that this it was very, the surgery was for me and mm-hmm. um, coming from a place of self-acceptance, self-love, like honoring my journey of, you know, losing 130 pounds for, you know, close to 10 years and, mm-hmm. and, and, and being able to recognize that this chapter is like the skin is time. It's time to move on from whatever that is. If it was psychological, 
um, emotional or whatever it is, I, I didn't quite feel like that's like with, with my shirt on, you couldn't tell even. So it's like, it was just me and people who saw me without my shirt on, but it, I, I gotta say, I feel much more like myself since the surgery. Mm. You know, I mm. feel like without this, with, with this skin, and there was a layer of not quite feeling like me. And with mm-hmm. the with the skin off my body, um, the skin that was removed from the chest and stomach, it feels I feel as much more like myself. I am far from perfect. <laughs> I don't think any human is, and I think that I I just feel, um, yeah, I feel like me. I just mm. I feel like Mordechai. I just feel like myself. Yeah. And I love that it's kind of closing that chapter on your life because you've also, you've also done the work, the work from an internal experience before the surgery. So it wasn't like after the surgery, you started sabotaging. And I think that that's one of the pieces that I hear a lot where someone will have surgery, but then they don't feel worthy of the body that they have coming out of surgery. So then they sabotage with going back to eating, you know, intense amounts of food that maybe aren't healthy for them, lacking um, movement and and really taking care of their well-being. And it's important to recognize how before surgery and after surgery, you were caring for yourself and tell me if I'm wrong, but from my experience of talking to you, you were caring for yourself similarly and you were caring for your internal environment seriously, mm. similarly where if you had an emotional experience come up where you didn't, where you felt that disconnect, you went in and confronted it and faced it. If you were wanting to take care of your body or take care of your well-being, you had similar habits before and after as well. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It was, you know, during that time, I was definitely doing that work. And I think, um, to your point before that, you just said, I think if you come when you come at things from a place of from external validation, from what's other, I'm going to look good for other people, or, or or not doing it for yourself, and the motivation is not is not aligned. You know, you always want more, whether it's weight loss or surgery. You know, people go back and have more surgery and have more surgery because they're chasing an idea of what they think they can have from the idea of the surgery. So what 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 they think they'll have mm-hmm. with that result, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But the, the truth is, when you do it because it makes you feel good, the outcome is going to be perfect. And it's just like the same thing with diets. You know, going on a diet to get a desired outcome, to get a desired expectation, is a recipe for disaster. It doesn't doesn't work long term usually, right? Usually, you go on a diet if you. But if you connect your food decisions to how you want to feel in this very moment, it's much more likely that you're start you're start, you will start feeling good today or in a week. You don't have to wait until you lose the fifty pounds or a hundred pounds to feel good. You can start feeling amazing today just by you know doing it for the right reasons. Because if you're doing it for the right reasons, you're more connected to how you feel less than how you appear. And I think that is a really big distinction um, for making any decision, whether it's going on a diet, um, having cosmetic surgery, or or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I always tell my clients to think about what is the belief that what is the belief that they will manifest after the procedure and so often that is well i will find my life partner or i will all of a sudden attract the career of my dreams or abundance will flow in and then it's about reverse engineering that and starting to really feel and cultivate those experiences now before the surgery so that you can come into alignment today and trust in the universe not having a um, a hold on your dreams because of 
your body image. And it's so interesting that we correlate those two beliefs. And I always tell people, I would prefer to have a partner that loves me unconditionally before surgery and after surgery than, than only attracting my dream partner because of the surgery. Wow. Um, and yeah. in my experience, it was the opposite, right? So I had breast implants and was married and had to get them out and then had to confront <laughs> how my husband would feel without them. Um, and so for me, I had a lot of internal work to do because I had never processed that I would have to get them out when I when I got them in. Wow, that's um, that's incredible. That I mean, you you're somebody who continues to do the inner work in all in all areas of your life, and I'm not surprised that you 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 did that with such grace seeing you go through that journey. Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was definitely challenging because I think we, we change our bodies and we alter our bodies and we look a certain way because of our age. Right. And then as we get older, things change and, and then life and aging catches up with us and we have to be in the experience of the gratitude that that is part of the human experience versus the constant chasing the feeling on the other side of trying to prevent the inevitable. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. And I think you would agree that it's, it's best to do the work now. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Those things come up. I wish I would have, I wish I would have known that, but I'm, I'm grateful I didn't because it gave me so much compassion understanding for, for a lot of my clients. But, um, what, what gift we can give other people by representing and, and being a testament to, to that process first. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you asked me before what, um, what lessons I learned is one mm -hmm. thing I actually want to want to add in. Um, that was really impactful for me. Um, you know, one of the things that was helpful was opening up to other people about my surgery. So the second time around, I actually started telling friends, close friends, what I, what I was going through. And, that support, emotional support throughout the entire process was a game changer. And I guarantee that had a huge impact on my healing because mm -hmm. people actually knew what I was going through. Right. We're not living in the shame of the experience, wondering how they're going to mm. interpret it or, or be with it. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah. We're just being honest about the truth of the experience. I'm curious if you did set any boundaries or there were any experiences that didn't feel in alignment that you had to go back internally and re-empower yourself that you were making the right choice? I never, I think once I was in motion, I just knew it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think once I was in motion, I honestly, I had so much steam and wind in my sails, not steam, wind in my sails from, you know, with, with all the friends and community and my men's group and just like all the people that were kind of like checking in on me, you know, before going off to surgery, my friends threw me a goodbye surgery party, you know, it's just like I had all this like, Support. I mean, you were super supportive. You sh you shared all these ideas, how, ideas on how to get my, um, you know, unconscious mind to prep, to drawing the pictures of what things would look like when I was done, you know, mm -hmm. and burning. There were some things you told me to burn paper. I don't remember exactly. Write a letter maybe or burn a paper. And I did all mm -hmm. those things. I did literally did ev anything anybody, anybody suggested. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. Put that under my pillow. Great. Bring in, you know, my friends all gave me these little rocks to bring with me. I brought them into the room. I just, I'm like, I'll do, I'll do anything. I was, I was a little scared. I was a little scared. Yeah, I think at a certain point, I was like, I probably shouldn't text you any other <laughs> things to do. I'm like, we're probably like, overwhelming him. But I, I, I will say... They're the whole list of things. Yeah, I will say that 
I think whenever we can prep the unconscious, because the unconscious is going to be in fear because that's what we know and it wants to be in survival. And so when we can ever, whenever we can prep the unconscious to step into alignment with our conscious, which we want to be in full alignment of love and joy and grace and ease and flow and, you know, having the doctors celebrating after. And I think that was part of this experience was witnessing what could be on the other side, which was this celebratory experience where we were all celebrating you. And I think that for the listeners who maybe have someone going through this process or any surgery, being that person for them is so, so massive because that's, that's what we want on the, on the other side of anything. We want to be able to celebrate these, these, for you, it was years and years and years for myself as well, years of doing the internal work and getting to a place where you feel free in your body and what a gift that you can give other people by getting to feel that in your own experience. Um, I wanted to ask you about the interview process with finding a doctor that you trusted, because I know we also discussed a bit throughout the process of some disappointment and frustration that was present and how this process of patience was really required and continuously going back within to really check on your truth and, and feeling in alignment um, with some of the doctors that, that were no's up front. Yeah, great. I mean, that's a great question. It's something I've thought a lot about. Um, some doctors, you know, listen, doctors are doctors, surgeons are surgeons, everyone's got their thing. But like some of the surgeons that I met with, it felt very much like they were very concerned or they, they wanted me to, they needed, they, I should say they didn't want, they needed me to look a certain way because that was a representation of their work. And a lot of surgeons look at themselves as artists and some other surgeons, you know, understand that you're coming in for cosmetic surgery and you're vulnerable, you're in a very vulnerable position and they're very influential. And so it's really important to listen to yourself what you what you want. And for me, my experience, you know, one of the doctors I went to without saying any names, obviously, he just I felt violated the way he touched my skin, the way he grabbed the fat or the skin around my chest. I was like, what? I'm like, I don't want this guy operating on me. Who if this, if this is what he's doing to me when I'm awake and conscious, what's he going to do when I'm under? Was he going to go for a little break while he leaves me open? I just like it just like I was I was I was kind of I was mortified um, um, at, at some of the some of the experiences and some of the doctors didn't give you time of day and you just know that those doctors those surgeons are not giving you time of day now what do you what makes you think they're going to give you time of day um, later and I was going through this entire process and I was going to some of the I mean, really big names who were on some really big shows and just mm-hmm. you know who were very reputable. And it had great before and afters, but I just didn't quite feel aligned. Like something just didn't feel right. And I was kind of picky. And I eventually, when I met my doctor my, and my surgeon, what I felt, the difference that I felt was he was more concerned about what I wanted versus what the way I would look for him. And that subtle difference helped me really feel like I knew that he had my best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. And that was a really important thing. And, and you know, I'm a, I'm, maybe I pushed the limits a lot. A, a little too much to most people. Well, a little too much. I put. I. I wanted. I wanted to be comfortable, and I asked a lot of questions. Like I, I really prepared. I had a rolling doc, Google Doc with probably twenty pages of notes. You know, I was a little bit obsessive, and I did a lot of research. And but this this doctor didn't didn't flinch. He was, every time I spoke to him, he was like, "Listen, any more questions? Just let me know. Um, if yeah. you don't pick me, um, it's totally fine. Um, I'll be a little sad." He used to say, but do whatever you need to do. Like, I'm happy that you're doing what, you know, you did all this work on yourself. You should, you should pick the surgeon that you feel most comfortable with, you know? 
And, and that was the process of really finding somebody who had my best interests at heart, who I felt really comfortable with, who I knew can do a good job, you know, had the credentials and experience. You know, my doctor had over 16,000 procedures, you know, was, he has a lot of experience mm-hmm. and he was, he made some introductions to past clients. He was very, you know, it just like felt really good. I felt really, um, and it wasn't one of the, this, this doctor does no advertising. Like it was such a, it was, it messed with my mind in such a big way because also he wasn't, he, he was on the mid range in pricing too. So it was like, usually my mindset is the person who's charging the most is doing the best job. You know, is the person in the highest demand, right? Our, the, our psychology, right? Right. And, right. but that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. He wasn't the most expensive. He was so reasonable. And at the same time as I think he was, you know, the best and I chose him. Yeah. It's so important to point out that doctors with the top awards with the most media, even with a, the, the next level of accolades, aren't often the doctors that are sensitive or understanding or can hold space for our emotional experience throughout the process. And um, and they're often, even the ones with the shortest consults, like you said, are not present to these important discussions. I love that you had 20 pages of notes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can resonate with that. That is me to a T. My husband's always like, okay, Sarah, like you have to leave the doctor's office. I'll take care of this. <laughs> I'm like, no, one more question. I'm, even when it's like for him, I'm like, one more question. Uh, but it's important to show up and feel empowered. And I think often when we step into that doctor's office, we immediately go into our insecurities and our fears because that's what's in the subconscious mind. And then we don't get our questions answered. And then we don't feel as if we can trust the doctor. And interesting thing is the mind can manifest um, very easily. And so you want to make sure, like we talked about before, that your subconscious and your conscious are in alignment so that you are going in feeling fully confident that this person you're trusting with your body and your life is fully aligned with, with your values. Yeah. And, 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 and to double down on that, you think about this, there's a lot of ways to do surgery and cosmetic Mm -hmm. surgery is such a personal thing. Like doctor can, you know, decide where to make incisions, how many stitches, how to, how to do all the things. And you want somebody who's going to care about you. You know, they're opening you up, they're putting, you know, they're, they're stitching you, they're doing, they're making decisions on the fly for you. Um, and you want somebody, it's not just the way you're going to look. It's actually like, it's your body. You, you want to make sure that you're going to also, you're going to be healthy and you want to pick a doctor who also has that in mind, not just the looks because looks are important, obviously, we all want to look good and feel good, but also, you know, how we're, how we're treated, how we're sewed back up, how we're put back together is really, really important. And the doctor that I chose, the surgeon that I so- chose, was bef- he was a general surgeon before a cosmetic surgeon. So he had both, you know, mm-hmm. he had both things going for him where he just wasn't a cosmetic surgeon. And I found some of the cosmetic surgeons who were just cosmetic surgeons were a little bit more on the look side. This doctor was like on the, had much more of the, the doctor compassion as well and, 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 and the empathy and, and all of that and understanding of what I was going through as well capable of doing um, an excellent job. Mm. And didn't he say he wanted to do the least amount of yeah. surgery possible? Yeah. When I came in, he was like, oh, so many doctors just want to do so much surgery. He's like, oh, yeah, we'll do this. We'll do that. We'll do your arm. I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about, man? That doesn't make any sense. Like, I didn't come in here just to, you know, I'm not trying to get my entire body, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, he, when I came in, he was like, okay, so show me where, you, you know, the loose skin is. And then he sh- says, show me the two most important parts. And a lot of doctors were very, in, like, they were very, like, 
in your face about what to do. And this doctor was just like, what are the most important things? And then from there, if you decide you want more surgery, it's not, it's much easier to do that than making a game plan to have all the surgery prior. And mm. he's like, I want to do the least amount of surgery to get you the best result possible. And that that's just, amazing. that was like, wow. I'm like, that's that, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt with my breast implant illness. I, I interviewed doctor after doctor until I found a doctor that actually believed me that I was sick for my implants. And I kept thinking in my mind, why would I have anyone do surgery on me that doesn't even believe I'm sick for the reason that I'm sick? It's, it just doesn't make sense. But yet all these doctors are doing explant surgery, but doesn't, but they don't believe in breast implant illness. And so I think that's why the patience period of, of really taking a moment to come back home to ourselves and go within and really connect with what is my truth and what do I need to feel safe in this experience is is just so, so important, especially because as you go into surgery, there are going to be those fears that come up. So if you can minimize those as much as possible, it's so, it's so important. Um, I'm curious how your relationship with your body has shifted since surgery. Mm, such a good question. How has my relationship with body shifted? You know, it's hard to it's hard to put into I mean for one I just I feel much better without my shirt on you know I can literally I, I run around without you know go running without my shirt on it's been like that was probably like a childhood fa- fantasy you know feeling mm-hmm. feeling feeling good doing that um but even just like where just like I mean just feeling more just I, I think I would say in short I just feel like myself like before mm-hmm. I didn't feel like myself with the extra skin and now I just feel like myself I feel proud you know, that I, that I, that I, that I took the leap, even though it was challenging. Um, I think, um, I, I, I feel, I, I guess I, f- yeah, I feel more, well, I just feel more compact. <laughs> That's a weird word to, you know, before, yeah. before I was, before there was always this filter, this t-shirt, you know, are they going to be able to see, you know, my skin through the t-shirt? Is my, how's it going to show? How's it going to look? Now I don't think about that stuff. It's just like a layer. That's why I think to, at the end of the day, I think the feeling that I feel is like, I feel it's just inner freedom, you mm-hmm. know, and it's not because, not because, like I said before, it's not because I'm, I'm close to perfect. It's because I just feel like, I just feel like there's that layer of like that skin was kind of a layer of protection that mm. psychologically I don't need anymore. And, and, and it's not there. So I don't think about it. And, and on, a, on a material level, on a physical level, it's not there either. So when I look at myself in the mirror, I just don't, I just see me and I don't have to think about this layer of like this layer of skin that may be discovered by somebody or, you know, I have to wear yeah. black because it was, it would, it would, it would conceal the skin on my chest and, you know, yeah, so now I just don't. Now I can wear light color T-shirts and feel amazing. And that, that is amazing. I love the part that you said that the skin was actually protecting you, and it was like this protection or wall against you and the world that you wanted to experience. I think we do that. I even did that this year with weight in terms of just putting on weight during the pandemic and noticing myself having this barrier of energetic protection between myself and the fear of this external world that we were living in. And I kept connecting to why am I holding this extra weight? And there's nothing wrong with it and I'm not shaming it at all, but I I really wanted to understand it. And the more that I dove into my internal world, I realized, wow, I just don't feel safe in the world right now. And I think that's an important realization to face, right? Of, of saying, well, what is this keeping me from? And what would I courageously step into on the other side of this? And of course, it's important to continue to take those courageous steps. But often we do create these sort of 
barriers physically, we manifest them because we aren't ready to step into that more free, abundant, joyful experience in our lives. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you, the idea of the whole protection thing. And I think that's why mm -hmm. also a lot of people deal with the weight um, mm -hmm. in the way they do. It's because, you know, when I was at my heaviest, it was definitely my weight was protecting me emotionally. You know, being mm -hmm. over 330 pounds, you know, the weight was doing something for me. It was protecting me. People couldn't see me, you know. And then now when they can see me, it's like a, it's another layer. The skin was another layer of protection protecting me from something. And I think that's... Um, it's an interesting frame. And I think it's like a, it's almost like a, it's, it's also, there was also this layer of like, okay, so if you're moving the skin, it means you're not gaining the weight back or you don't intend to anyways, anything can happen. You know, I definitely don't intend to. Um, and I think that was also like a real, a big realization that hit home is like, whoa. So you're basically like you're, and that's the thing about sharing this too, which is really vulnerable. And I think this has been my, you know, sharing my weight loss journey has mm -hmm. been, um, the most confronting part of it was like, like, you know, I'm saying all these things, but who knows what will happen? You know, there's right. a life is twists and turns and you hope that, you know, you, 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 you do your best to stay, to stay true to what you want and believe and, and mm -hmm. hope for. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's like kind of, a, it's kind of, in, it's kind of intense to share these things and, 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 and know that there's so much unpredictability in life, you know? Right. Absolutely. And I think, to just reiterate, often in that process of surgery, it's like that recommitment to the well-being, to the sustainability. But in that commitment, there's fear because our subconscious is always available to pull us backwards. And life is unpredictable. So there's always things that could potentially um, cause us to kind of revert back into our old habits and our own way, old ways. And with that, we have to then be in the opportunity of forgiveness and compassion and understanding for ourselves that that even in those experiences to let go of the shame, that there is the potential for that. Um, and so it's this interesting dynamic, right, of we want to keep the commitment. We want to stay in the sustainability. We want to hold this vision of health and well-being forever. And as life happens, as the pandemic happened, things show up and we have to be in the forgiveness and understanding in that as well. And so I understand that sort of dynamic that can happen within, within the mind. Um, what do you want to attract and manifest now that <laughs> if you're comfortable sharing on the air, <laughs> now that that wall of protection is gone? I really just, I think the thing that, yeah, I think the thing that I want most is just to be unapologetically myself mm. and just to be fully expressed um, and feel, and feel like, and feel free just to be me. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Has there been any non-negotiables or boundaries or anything that you've stepped into now that you have a different feeling in your body? Like, have you noticed any shifts in yourself that you're like, wow, I... I've witnessed myself before the surgery and now this is absolutely a non-negotiable or this is a boundary or this is a new way of being that I didn't know um, or wasn't available to before. Um, no, nothing clearly comes to mind, but mm -hmm. I definitely, the thought definitely comes to mind of like, you know, 
like I, now I can see my muscles more clearly, more defined. And I'm like, oh, wow. So like it's I'm like before a lot of my working out, I couldn't really see much results because I mean, I saw results, but in certain areas, but other areas I wasn't able to see because of the extra skin. And now I can. So it's like, oh, wow. So now it's like a new it's a new layer. It's like a new level on the arcade game, on the video game. Like it's the next level that I'm playing. And I'm like, oh, wow. So I can actually continue to. You know, it's easier to run, it's easier to do cardio, and it's easier to lift weights to see the actual results and to see the muscles growing and to see that work. And I think I'm able to lean into what else is possible um, versus mm. just basically like, you know, you know, shooting in, the, in kind of in the dark and hoping for the best, you know? Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because I think that's part of the body positive movement that I challenge, I have challenges with, which is if a surgery is going to make you physically feel better emotionally feel better, spiritually feel better, energetically feel better from that place of self-love, then I'm all for that. And yeah. as you're sharing, it, it actually has improved your physical well-being and has allowed you to run farther and do, yeah. do sort of these physical um, experiences that you weren't able to do. And I think that that's, that's also the pros and cons of looking at, well, what are the benefits on the other side of this? And if it's only searching again for that external validation, that's different than numerous benefits that can come from, from a surgery. And I just love, love, love that you're sharing courageously and openly about this. I think it's a conversation most men don't want to have. I work with men, so I hear it and I hear the shame that's underneath all of it. Um, I'm curious for you, because you've been working with men do you feel like culturally it's shifting where more and more men are having the conversation or do you, do you think it's just going to be time? I'm a little bit biased because, yeah. you know, a lot of people, a lot, but many people reach out to me asking me to talk about it with them if they're mm -hmm. thinking about surgery. And so I'm super, since I'm comfortable sharing my journey, I think they're comfortable sharing what they're going through and I'm able to help them. But I don't, I don't know if they would, I, I don't, it's hard to say because I, I've, I've been there. So I'm not sure if they're coming to me because, I mean, they're obviously asking me because they know that I have. So it's a hard thing for me to say after the culture shift. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I just feel completely comfortable to share because I feel like, you know, if I was on the other side of this thing, I wish somebody would share about it because I think yeah. that, would been, that would have been so helpful in my discovery process and learning and journey. And someone could tell me these things. And that's how I was able to lose weight because somebody else shared their journey, you know? So I feel like we learn from each other's stories and mm -hmm. I think that's why that's, that's what motivates me, but I don't know if there's a culture shift. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's so interesting because I feel like every part of my life where I've had a health challenge, the moment I've actually shared in the experience, the shame has dissolved. It's so interesting. And I've, it, I've worked myself up and worked myself and worked up myself <laughs> to the point where I'm in tears and then I share and then all of a sudden it's like there's this dissolving within me. I recently started talking about my IVF journey and I had a lot of people and wherever anyone is in their own experience fully aligned for themselves, but I had a lot of people tell me not to share about my IVF journey and it would be too challenging and hard to be in the witness and to talk about it and talk about other people having kids. And, and for me, it was the complete opposite. The moment I shared I didn't have any shame anymore about the fact that I'm a holistic health practitioner and I have infertility and I haven't been able to get pregnant for three years. And um, and then just the outpouring of love was insane. Like hundreds of messages just sending me blessings and love and kindness and um, prayers. And I, I do feel like that is the benefit of social media right now if we can use it for that good. 
um, it's it's beautiful what can be witnessed when we are open and and vulnerable in our experiences. Always leading the way, Sarah. Always paving, <laughs> you too. Always, always, <laughs> you paving, too. always paving the path. <laughs> you too. I mean, wherever we can share in anything, I always am encouraging people when it feels safe. Right? It has to feel safe. But uh, yeah, hundred percent. I think also the the frame that I the frame that I think about is, and I heard so I heard this on a podcast once, which is, um, are you sharing from the pain? Or are you sharing from the scar? Mm. And I think when you're sharing from the scar, it comes off much more. It, it comes off much more. Um, like you're you're not you're not coming from a place of pain and suffering, or you're not sharing from a place of like needing something from somebody. You're sharing it because you went through something, and you think you could, other people can benefit from it. Right, right. I'm not sure how that resonates with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the IVF journey is such a lonely process, and the beauty of it is there are these groups of individuals and women coming together to to have these conversations and that's that's been true for my journey it's 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 so interesting how once i started sharing from okay this is this is what i've been through the last year and a half and if anyone has advice support recommendations i'm all open for those conversations and um it's been really really beautiful to witness and i actually think also it just changes the trajectory of your journey when you get educated and that's why i love your research the research component when we are scared about something for example i just matched with a surrogate who's going to hopefully carry our baby but for so many years i was no to a surrogate i was like because I didn't, I wasn't educated. I didn't, I didn't take the time to actually learn about it. So for me, it was a, just a definitive no in my body because it felt fearful, but we're fearful towards the things we don't know. Mm. And I, once I was open to having the conversations with some friends who had surrogates, once I was open to sharing so I could talk to other women who went through the process, all of a sudden my entire world expanded and all of these women started reaching out and sharing with me their experiences with surrogacy and it gave me the courage to start to confront that fear in myself and through confronting the fear I was able to move forward with the process and so it's a it's an interesting way to think about it but I but I do think that often the mind just likes to create a wall that really doesn't need to exist because we're not willing to look at the truth um and for some people, it's definitely not in alignment, but that was just my experience. Yeah, it sounds like it's not, what I'm hearing. It sounds like it's a dance a bit, you know, it's mm -hmm. like where are you sharing it from, what you're going through. It's like it's not a clean cut thing. And I think right. for everybody, for everybody individually, you know, for each, for each person individually, it's a it's a personal process. And 100%. only 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 the per, only, you know, right. Only, Absolutely. you know, when 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 it's when it's the right time to open up when it's the right time to share you know i don't think in 2015 i was ready to share it and it would have been a wrong time to and it feels like i feel like you're really in tune with that like you really know when it's the right time to share i think you do an incredible job at that thank you you as well i i agree with the 2015 i think i think sometimes it's just that the universe is opening us up to more healing before it's time and i think when I look at your journey and I kind of look at it from a bird's eye view, I'm like, it was perfect that you weren't ready because then that led you to Costa Rica, which led you to Heather, which led you to all these like cool experiences that you got to have. And 
getting to do the inner work that's led you to the work that you're doing now with your podcasts and your summits and creating this amazing community of individuals that you're supporting. And all of that was perfectly planned in divine timing based on the wound that you were experiencing in 2015. And so it's, it's really beautiful to look back in gratitude on some of our pain because it actually led us to where we are now. So thank you so much for being here and just sharing this whole experience. I'm, I'm so grateful. Yeah. Well, Hey, it's my pleasure. And thanks for having me on your show to, to share the experience. Yeah. Know? I'm curious for the listeners, cause you have your own podcast, you do summits, which are incredible. You coach, um, individuals and you work with, you know, building these communities of, of people supporting one another around these topics. Um, how can people learn more and find you and, you know, jump on board listening to your podcasts as well and making sure that they're up to date with all the amazing things you're putting out. Yeah. Thank you. Um, my, my primary focus is the podcast right now, which is feeling full. And the whole thing is just conversations about weight loss, self-love and self-acceptance. Um, so anybody can find feeling full on anywhere they listen to podcasts. And, um, I also have a weekly newsletter where I share ideas, um, about my guests and about what I'm working on. Um, but those are the two at feelingfull.com you can find, you can sign up to the newsletter and yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. My goal is to just continue to share, um, what I call the raw truth about food and weight in, in, in my own unique way and hope that, you know, people listening benefit from it. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I love your podcast. I love the incredible oh, work that you're putting out in the world. And I'm just so grateful that you're having this conversation for, for men specifically and for all individuals facing similar issues internally and just ready to upgrade their lives and create freedom in their bodies. And, you know, from that experience of feeling free, that's when we start to manifest all the experiences that we so deeply desire and feel worthy of. And so thank you for doing this work and thank you again for being here. I love you so much. I'm so grateful you're in my life. Right back at you, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's really it's really been fun the last what has it been like five years now since we know yeah we met Four or five years under a palm tree in Tulum <laughs> in Tulum that must have been like, like 2000, 2017 2016 2017 yeah yeah 16 16 yeah years ago I'm like wow it's amazing it's amazing so many yeah you're always always an inspiring an inspiring friend I look to you for uh, you know I see I see you paving paving the way in so many areas of your life and it's just been really it's really been fun to watch um and inspiring to watch you go through life always learning and always sharing and supporting everybody um yeah just i'm blessed to have a friend like you thank you so much you as well wow i'm so honored and grateful to have had the opportunity to interview mordecai again on my podcast not only is he such a dear friend but he is truly an inspiration to me And I hope you felt the same. And so as clients dedicate more and more time to their health, I've witnessed similarly to how he described that they develop a self-care and self-love mindset. And so when you adopt a self-care and self-love mindset, you'll begin to notice more and more opportunities to support your body that you may have missed in the past. Opportunities that you may have felt shameful or guilty about before doing the inner work. And so, for example, as Mordecai continued to do the work, he felt more aligned with his decision to have surgery. 
as a way to feel free and in love with his body. And although you might be here at not contemplating a similar surgery, there are numerous times throughout your day and probably throughout your life when you can start asking yourself similar questions. For example, what is an act of self-love or self-care that can support my body today? For example, when you're sitting at your work desk, maybe you could ask yourself, can I take a moment to breathe? At lunch, can I take a break from my device or have a mindful experience with my food? And so there are truly hundreds of small ways that you can find time in your day to improve that relationship you have with your body, that relationship that you maybe once felt guilty or shameful about. And so this week, I encourage you to try investigating a little bit more time to inquiry, to question, to reevaluating your relationship, to feeling free in your body so that you can begin to identify what emotions are holding you back and how you might begin to shift those. And again, of course, you do not have to take drastic steps like Mordecai, and that might not be anywhere in alignment for you. But if you're willing to look at these small steps to love your body further, I trust that these small steps will support you and your long-term health and wellness goals. And so if you enjoyed today's conversation, I recommend listening to my first conversation with Mordecai to learn more about his incredible journey with weight loss and how what we talked a little bit about today was this idea of shirtless therapy that he dives deeper into on that podcast. Also drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts and let me know what's been resonating. What do you want to hear more about? How can I support you? And of course, make sure to tag me so that I can reshare you and your stories, and I can celebrate you as well. You can find me on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love, so, so much love for a beautiful, incredible, epic, exciting, adventurous, healthy week ahead. All right, that concludes this podcast. It is my honor to always share with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You are here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feeling of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here, you are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. And if you benefit from it, it would mean the world to me if you could please spread this movement and share it with one person who you know would also benefit. We are all in this together, so thank you for being here and part of this movement.